0: Sometimes it seems like our computers have a mind of their own. In 1984, a teacher found bizarre text documents on his PC that seemed like they were written hundreds of years ago. Today, we explore the possibility of technology as a gateway to time travel and the paranormal as we discuss the Dodleston Messages. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force and Mystery Lovers Everywhere. This is the show, Red Web, all about mysteries, true crime, the unexplored paranormal events of this world, and sometimes just an ounce of film knowledge. I'm your host, Trevor Collins, and joining me, hearing this mystery for the very first time, Alfredo Diaz.
1: I'm excited. I'm a tech junkie. Yeah, you are. I used to sell computers, I build computers. And now you are computers. And now I am a <laughs> computer. Yeah. He's installed the chip. So, <laughs> you know, okay. All right. We'll yeah. figure, we'll, we'll see what's going on here. Is it Apple? Is it Mac? Linux? What? Hmm. Could be. Hack job? Maybe someone hacked it up. You know, good got instincts. in there. I don't know. Could be anything. I'm excited. This is my tech world.
0: Yeah. And as always, there's just a season, a zesting Of Alfredo capturing a little bit of what we're going to talk about because I think you're psychic and I'm just going to keep saying it until you agree because there's something about that gut instinct that freaks me out.
1: But as I I will accept it Uh as long as every October when we do our on location investigation, it's our special Uh as long as the two of you Mm are in Christian Mm -hmm. are the ones that always walk out with the most experiences. Because so far, the last two, you guys have experienced more stuff. Got it. That's so I cool. haven't experienced anything. We get it's a year, you guys. We get a year's worth
0: of paranormal events <laughs> in our Halloween special. <laughs> where yeah. You do like a, a, a consistent trickling
1: mm-hmm. through these episodes. I, okay. and So I'll take. The comfort of being here, uh-huh, well lit, uh-huh. and having some. You know what I mean.
2: I don't know if I'm happy with that solution.
1: It doesn't matter. That's how it's been so far. Freda, let me tell you,
0: we are happy. Okay. We are happy with that. Mm-hmm. Before we begin, I do want to just because you mentioned it, we have the Halloween special coming up, yeah. which we are very close to us going out and going to either one of two places: the house, the Conjuring House. That's huge. Huge. More people. That's big. The mm-hmm. USS Hornet. That, mm-hmm. I hear, is massively confusing. Massive, confusing, scary. And we have put it to you, Task Force, that if you can get our reviews over 4,000 in number on Apple Podcasts, I will spend the night in one of these places. And if you can get it over 5,000, I
1: believe Alfredo will be joining me. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, reluctantly, yes. And remember, mm-hmm. 5,001, no, Christian remember joins us. I don't remember that part. I nah, no, no, think we all do. Um, don't know what to put? Which one of the two places would you rather see us go? Oh, I'd mm. like to. Yeah, you can put Start that in your poll. review if you'd like. Yeah. Always good one. Save Christian. Save Christian. <laughs> Only but a Good one. That and just getting jiggy with it. There's a hell. there's yeah. a ton of reviews. I oh, said, yeah. Get jiggy with it.
0: But anyway, I'm always grateful for the reviews. I mean, we're so close to 10,000 five-star reviews on Spotify. You guys are tremendous task force. Thank you so much. But without further ado, I think it's time to dive in to the Doddleston messages. In autumn of 1984, an economics teacher, Ken Webster, was renovating a cottage in the village of Dodleston, Cheshire, England. It's worth mentioning that Ken Webster might be a pseudonym for the sake of privacy, but for the sake of this episode, we will continue to refer to them as Ken Webster. So he lived with his girlfriend, Debbie, along with their friend and extended house guest, Nicola Bagulli. They had just begun renovations when the three of them noticed peculiar things occurring throughout the house. For instance, they would see six toed footprints appearing, outlined in dust, along their floors and walking up the walls. When Webster tried to clean them off, he noticed that they wouldn't budge. They just essentially couldn't be wiped away, so essentially he decided to just paint over them, just to hide them, and yet they reappeared. From there, they started feeling unexplained gusts of cold air, they heard footsteps throughout the house, and they even noticed shadows moving. They described the feeling of the sensation of an invisible entity in the home alongside them. A few other things of note, they found chalk marks throughout the house. Certain areas of the house would feel much colder than others. And their stash of cat food tins was suddenly and perfectly arranged in a pyramid shape. Almost like poltergeist. I mean,
1: just that specific part. Helpful. Helpful. You know what? (laughs) stacking them for me? Cool. You know, organized way. Won't run through my head. You know, get a month's worth for your cat. Just put them in the corner in a bag. See, oh if, see, God. If gets, see if it gets stacked. Right, you, know right. you bring the groceries in, but you don't take them out. Don't take them out. See how far it goes. I don't I'm know. looking away. You got to run some experiments. Might as well run helpful ones, anyways. You know what I mean? put, a, put a damn mop out and see what happens. See if the floors are clean in the morning. <laughs>
0: yeah, put a mop out.
1: I'd be so scared oh, if my really? toys were put I'm t- away. Terrified of
0: clean floors. Nobody better do my taxes. <laughs> oh, no. So later in that year, Webster was loaned a computer. This is a non sequitur. He's just working at the school, but he was loaned a computer so he could work at home. This computer is actually a photo I have in front of you. It's known as the BBC Micro Model B. Damn, this thing is massive. Mm-hmm. That's how you know it's got all the RAM.
1: Yeah, uh, this looks like it takes, like, floppy disks. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's a it's a big old box sitting on, uh, yeah, sitting on another rectangular box, and you've got the you know, really high keyboard. It's that beige box beige, aesthetic, man. you know what I mean?
0: It's Where it's like that big old chunky thick glass screen and then it sat old. on what would normally be the, the computer console, but I believe yeah. in this model the keyboard kind of can shuffle into that. Yeah, like a, there's like a, a book to the right.
1: Basic computer games. Oh <laughs> man. Oh, oh yeah.
0: God. Computers for nerds or whatever. What it, Computers for idiots. That's the book series. So one day Webster left the computer on in the kitchen while he and his two roommates went out on a an outing. I don't know if they were shopping, dating, or just standing outside hoping someone mopped their floors. <laughs> <laughs> now, when they returned, they saw a green light emanating from their kitchen window. They went inside to investigate, and that's when Webster discovered a text document open on his computer in the word processing application known as Edward. Ed. Word. I love that. The document contained a strange message. Quotes, Ken, Deb, Nick. True are the nightmares of a person that fears. Safe are the bodies of the silent world. Turn, petty flower, turn towards the sun, for you shall grow and sow. But the flower reaches too high and withers in the burning light. Get out your bricks. Pussycat, pussycat, went to London to seek fame and fortune. Faith must not be lost, for this shall be your redeemer. At first, Webster thought that this must be the work of his roommate, Beguli, since she was involved in the comedy scene in the area and sometimes borrowed his computer in order to write sketches. She, however, denied any involvement and noted that she was away from the house alongside him, so who else could it have possibly been? Now, things only got more intriguing when they looked around for signs of a break-in or anybody, anything that could have left this very odd, peculiar message, but they didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. Beyond that, one might consider remote access of the computer, right? Yep. In a modern world, you think of hacking, 100%. you think of some sort of network, but this computer was not hooked up to any network, not even the internet. So mm. they're left to kind of think someone must have been physically in the house to leave this.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult thing, right? Like it's not hard line anywhere. It's kind of difficult for someone to get through and, and gain access to your computer in mm-hmm. capacity. I mean, you you could have had like, a, oh man, I Oh, how far back this goes? Like a proper, like uh, I would say, instead of a USB, a peripheral. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. like something that of, plugged in and yeah, just ran. Yeah, a macro. Plugged in and then just ran something. Yeah. Um, pre-programmed or whatnot. What do we got here? Let me look at this computer because there's definitely no. I don't like to the left. There's a floppy disk. But yeah. That's about it. I mean, this is this is old old school. Yeah. Because that was the thing, though. Like, if it was connected to the internet, the internet when it first was public was evolving so fast and so many people are still learning, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, there's scams, people could get your email and send you stuff, and you, no one knew, you know what I mean? Like, people know nowadays not to click on links right. because we've learned from other people. Right. You know what right. I mean? People that are just like, this looks legit. Click on it, and all of a sudden, all your information stolen, counts, whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, if it's not connected to the internet, it's not hardline. It's, it's very, very difficult to gain access to it.
0: Right. Well, I've been responding to every email I get, and uh, they offer great wealth. And he has helped many princes. Yes, I've, I've put out a few deposits and I'm mm-hmm. still waiting for my wealth to come in. But, boys, there will be signs <laughs> when they do. <laughs> I come roaring in in, uh, in my Maserati. <laughs>
1: I'm like, it actually worked. Yeah, dude. Well, I, just I've talked the, to a few uh, princes. The, uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the feet prints of like a toad. Oh, on my computer God. Things typing. I love that. Like, if they had a cat or something. Cats love sitting
0: wasn't on keyboards. wasn't there the prints on,
1: like, the walls and yes. stuff?
0: Yes. Yeah. Six-toed. Like, they had six toes in those prints.
1: Oh. Not five. Six
0: toes. So I'm curious. They're human-looking, right? Like, they weren't... Like, I know you're jesting about frog prints, but, like, yeah. it wasn't...
2: I, that's a good question. I think they Was were it human. Human. Yeah. I, let me double check. Right. I don't want to speak out of turn on anything. There
0: was a photo I saw when we were doing research, but I don't know if that was a recreation. So I'll let you kind of look that up. But ultimately, coming back to this document, the three of them assumed that this must have just been some sort of simple prank someone played on them, and eventually the computer was returned to Webster's school. Nothing to think about it. Now, later, in February of 1985, so this would have been several months later, Webster needed the computer once more and brought it once again back into the home. Same one. Same model, we're not sure if it was the same physical hardware. Got it. Yeah. So, brought it back to the house, and he received yet another message. This one appearing in a very similar way to the first message, where the trio had gone out and returned to find the message open on the computer, only this time it seemed even clearer that these messages were strictly about them. The first one was addressed to them, but this one starts to speak in a uniquely different way about who they are, what they're doing, and talking about the house i should say before i read this particular message that they went on to receive upwards of 300 messages so we're not going to cover them all we're going to talk about a few of the juicy ones
1: yeah creepy terrifying oddly enough 300 you're losing your scare factor here right at some point like i don't know i feel like most humans not even just myself would get kind of numb Right. To the fact that, all right, another message. This is this is weird. the Marvel franchise of messages. Yeah. You know, you're putting out a lot. Maybe it's maybe a bit too much. Also, can't it, keep th- up. like 300, did they just keep borrowing these machines and kept getting messages? I think it's that he had them for long swaths of time. Oh, okay. and so they would
0: happen while he had it and then he'd take yeah. it back and.
1: Yeah, have like, it for like a week and yeah. then get like 30 of them and then. Okay. I think so.
0: Yeah. So now with that said, let's read this particular message. And I'm going to do my best. It has some very interesting turns of phrase and some very peculiar spelling. So here's what it said. Quote, I write on behalf of many what strange words thou speak. Although I must confess I hath also been ill schooled. Sometimes methinks alterations are somewhat fearful for they break main a sleep in mine bed. A little rough on that one. Another excerpt from that message. Thou art goodly man who hath fanciful women who dwell in mine home. I hath no want to affray, for only sith mine half-witted antic has ripped a twain, mine bound hath I been wreathed a knight. I'm reading it verbatim, but I'm losing the meaning here. Bro, what? Yeah. (laughs) So you go ahead and let that simmer. I'm going to read one final excerpt from this message. I hath seen many alterations, lastly charge house and thou home. Tis a fitting place with lights which devil maketh, and costly things that only mine friend, Edmund Gray, can afford, or the king himself. T'was a great crime to hath bribed mine house. Signed, L.W. So, despite the confusion of it, and Task Force, if you know Old English, please step in and help us. We're going to post some of these messages on our social, so you can kind of read them yourself. I probably didn't do it full justice, but all that is to say is, that whoever is writing this is reflecting upon the man Webster as well as the two female roommates that he has in the house as well as talking about the lights itself yeah saying that the lights that are in there are made by the devil that some of the things that they own are something that must be of great wealth that only the king could have these things Mm -hmm. but also I think most importantly this entity this LW is referring to it as their house and so now you can start to pick up on, on the kind of path i'm going to walk you down which is someone out of time or a spirit speaking through this machine to the three of them
1: and i think the it feels like it's someone from an older time mm-hmm. it's got to be but also just i think what's really interesting is the connection that is being made between what appears to be the spirit of an older time Mm -hmm. and modern day technology at that moment yeah right like i'm sure uh, you could argue like that the spirit was watching them and they learned that oh this is a typing machine of this current time yeah but there at some point there was that gap that was bridged you Mm -hmm. know what i mean in terms of like someone from the 1800s typing or on a computer yeah you know what i mean yeah Uh, which I think is pretty interesting.
0: That is a very interesting point that honestly I didn't think about. And, And I'm just gonna throw this out there and we can kind of come back to it when we start to talk about theories. But if this is an out of time spirit, would somebody from the time period that we're gonna talk about here in just a moment be literate on average to the point where they could actually type and actually write out language? That is a very interesting point to be made when we talk about the two theories basically on if this is a hoax or if this is a real paranormal event. Mm -hmm. Definitely something to chew on. That's a very good thought there. So, of course, they still did not know who was leaving these messages. And this time, as we know now, it appeared to be written in Old English, whereas the first message seemed to be using modern English. But we'll get soon to why that may be. Okay. Or, should I say, who that may be. Okay. Because I was about
1: to say, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, it it is written in a different way. So that's very jarring. Mm -hmm. And like kind of leans and directs this into the realm of like hoax yeah as like an initial thought right inconsistent because it's inconsistent yeah yeah yeah. it's
0: it's pivoting based on Mm -hmm. maybe a storyteller pivoting it right so definitely keep that in the back of your mind so webster began writing back dangerous to interact with the ouija board as it were but he's writing back now to this mysterious lw and he was able to learn more about this individual LW was confused as to why the trio was in his house and claimed that he was using a quote, Leem's Boist or box of lights to communicate with them. Now, this is just my natural inclination. But when I see L-E-E-M, I start to think of a low energy electron microscope, which was invented in 1962. And then a Boist, I had to look that up, but it's basically a case or a box. And so now if you can combine the two, you have somebody using old English centuries ago using otherwise modern vernacular and they're saying they're using this box of lights in order to talk with them and so they could be referring to the computer or they could be referring to some other piece of hardware that they have in their time that is connected through time to this computer
1: you know i didn't even think about that yeah but i I mean it seems like this this spirit is like a constant Mm-hmm. is not it i would say less so like something that just kind of um you know because sometimes we discuss maybe like a spirit is like a mirage you yeah know? sure and then you see an movie. imprint of a, exactly time. and yeah. and we've had cases or you've seen in movies where like the spirit will just have a set repeat of actions or whatnot right this right. seems like it's something that's living and learning in real time yeah
0: one thing that i kind of want to address now a lot of task force might be thinking about it is we kind of go back and forth between the idea of time travel and the idea of this being a spirit the spirit kind of theory would be that there is a a past entity kind of interacting in this moment in time through the computer speaking to their memory of a different time but i also don't want to shy away from the real crux of this story which is someone who is actively living centuries ago currently talking to the modern time there's kind of two different ways to look at this particular story I mean yeah
1: someone could have put together an invention yeah or been given one or been given one right yeah during older times and then you know flip it because we're in the modern day right now but if you're going down that path this story very much could have been told from their perspective of the person way back when going I type a message in and I'm getting a, a person is talking back to me, but yeah. they don't talk the way I talk, you know? And, and I, I guess they would have to be able to like, see through the veil because then they're talking about the house and modern day things yeah so that's why it gets kind of conflated yeah because definitely like one side has more information in sight than the other than the other you
0: are 100 percent correct i
1: didn't even think about that too whoa and there's no webcam (laughs) you know there's (laughs) there's no
0: peripheral to look through yeah man i love i love your fresh take on it this is juicy you're totally right Tony angles. Yeah, so now now we have a situation where Webster's speaking actively to L.W., once again, talking to the spirit using the Ouija Ouija board, essentially. Now, at this point, L.W. revealed their name to be Lucas Wainman, a man supposedly living in the 1540s era of Henry VIII's reign. He said his wife and his child died during the plague of 1517, and he lived at the cottage where he farms barley and makes cheese. He said he attended... Jesus College, Oxford, and that he had met the philosopher Erasmus multiple times. In return, Webster told Wayman about his life. Seems kosher. Yeah. I mean, they're just kind of, now they're just having this very positive, passive convo back and forth. I yeah. mean, I would be a little bit more freaked out. But. Uh,
1: yeah, especially, I mean, because they kind of seem like they came in heavy handed. Also, you know, it seems like it's, there's, it's kind of sealed itself in this vacuum of Things are happening within the computer as opposed to around the house. hmm Well, yeah. I mean,
0: you're right. It, it, it's now localized to the machine, mm-hmm. whereas I think some of the sightings and experiences that I mentioned earlier, those were kind of happening on and off throughout this. Yep. But you're right. Otherwise, a lot of the activities localized to the machine. So Webster started to believe that Wayneman was somehow able to time travel using the computer. That or his spirit, as I mentioned, there's two kind of different angles here. The spirit was able to control the computer in order to send messages. Maybe it is a spirit because he spent centuries learning how to read and write. Because what else do you do? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you got time.
0: Yeah. So at this point, and this is, I I'm, I'm, I'm love that Webster did this because I'm like, get this into somebody else's hands. Let's get some other eyes on this. Webster brought the message to his fellow teacher, Peter Trinder, for help. Trinder had a degree in English from Oxford, and he claimed that the language that was being used in these messages was from the southwest England area during the Tudor period, which was 1485 to 1603. This corroborates the story of the plague, corroborates the idea that Henry VIII was the reigning king at the time. But that said, Cheshire, where this cottage is located, is actually in northwest England, somewhere near Liverpool. So, eh. Hmm.
1: Some maybe someone got their research wrong. Maybe uh you know uh Wikipedia. I don't know when Wikipedia was invented, but maybe they there was like a Wikipedia type page. During the Tudor
0: period. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 where they pull all his info and there's some misinformation being used. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that definitely might be part of this. So let's talk now about the other messages that had a totally different tone of voice. Around this time, after getting help and everything, Debbie began dreaming of Wayman. She even felt sensations of being scratched or tapped that she had never really felt alone in this house. This is when Wainman revealed his real name, Wainman being the voice in the computer. The real name was actually Thomas Howardin. He actually studied at Brazenose College and that he was having trouble in his time. So now I'm going to refer to Wainman now as Howardin because that seems to be the actual name, whereas Wayman was the pseudonym. But I don't want you to be confused. Either way, he refers to this trouble that he's having in his time. He was supposedly accused of witchcraft because of the box of lights that he was using. I think this starts to put more stake in the idea of time travel. So when Webster revealed to the person, now known as Howarden, that he was living in the year 1985, he received a stranger response than usual. Quote, You said your time be 1985, me thought you were alls from 2109, like your friend whom didst bring Leem's boyst prey. Basically saying, wait a minute, hold on. You're saying you're from 1985. I thought you were from 2109, which is the same year that this other person brought me this box. Like, so he's, he's now we have a third person in the fray, a triangle, as it were, where someone from 2109 went back in time, gave this Tudor period spirit a Leem's boyst. A box of lights yeah and then they automatically assumed
1: i'm talking to someone from that time period yeah
0: but now we have a mysterious figure from 2109 now you start to ask well is that where the first message came from webster then types into the computer attempting to reach this third mysterious person claiming to be from the year 2109 that wrote the early er message. yeah potentially now that person it seems responds with this quote try to understand that you three have a purpose that shall in your lifetime Change the face of history we 2109 must not affect your thoughts directly but give you some sort of guidance that will allow room for your own destiny all we can say is that we are all part of the same god whatever he is question mark is
1: that's pretty cool now you're starting to get into the realm of like you know time travel multiverse dimension stuff like that we can't tell
0: you why but we need to influence you
1: right I, oh man, now this is a good story. I like, I like to
0: taking it at face value, thinking of a person in 2109 going, We have to change the past, and this cottage is the answer. But the way to talk to them is to go back. No, not to 1985, 1542. Uh, it's so interesting, but I also kind of wild. Like, why is that the path they're taking?
1: I mean, be, it could be that they just found the way that the And who's the, leaving these dusty the six ripple, six toes? That's, true, that's <laughs> true. Who's got the six toes? I right. mean, probably we, from the future. What if
0: what if in 2045 we all start birthing children with six toes? That's
1: probably oh. cuz we uh, the cell phone in my well, hand def- right now. That's <laughs> definitely. probably why. I'm telling you. there's the answer to that one. Who's to say that they didn't, you know, path everything out and they had to go way back when in connect these two and their dots, whatever, in order to have the dominoes fall in the specific way required for the future. Mm-hmm. I, and I mean, all that is very confusing, you know? I mean, if, if I were to go back or and try to affect you or myself or whatever, I wouldn't go directly into, like, okay, like, hey, two Alfredos in the room, guys, Red Web team, you got to do this. I would have a proxy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that would, I don't know, maybe drop something, random person or whatever or whatnot. Or, but it wouldn't be me because then that just seems too abrasive and it would shake things up mm, way too much. Too dangerous. Yeah. To
0: Alfredo's touch. This is the world implodes.
1: That's what I'm saying. This yeah. could be their delicate way of getting to the path they yeah. need to.
0: It is interesting. That would be akin to you literally... Bouncing a cell phone call off the year thirteen sixty five and saying, "Hope it gets to you." It, it's it's just so far out of the out of the you know very way. But it's now but it's gone
1: sci fi. I love this. Yeah, yeah, I love that too.
0: But at some point after this message, he's talking to his fellow teacher, the English teacher Trinder, and he's trying to communicate now with Howarden. At this point, though, when Trinder gets into the fray and he starts trying to communicate. The entity, the person from 2109 is saying, hey, you kind of need to back off. You're threatening our mission here. So Webster was suspicious of 2109, who seemed to have been editing some kind of messages and had some sort of purpose for connecting him with Howarden. The one that, I mean, it is a very wild reason to connect these two individuals, but maybe there's a purpose there.
1: Two things. Yeah. One, I think it's very interesting, the whole destiny. You, there's destiny to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And they said three? So it was how it was Howard and... And then his two roommates. Oh, I guess, oh, I, guess I said three roommates. Yeah. Interesting. Not even the person from way back. Right. I and guess so, they're just the proxy that I'm kind yes, of like talking about exactly. the situation mm-hmm. to push things in the right direction. Right. So uh, 2109
0: is trying to bounce information off of the 1500s back up yep. to 1985 in order to get these three yeah. to do some sort of mission that changes the world.
1: Uh, yeah, the household as a whole.
0: This is a good movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We genuinely need saying. a,
1: a production is, is great. department to start making I know. these movies. <laughs> to start this, start, the task force signups. ups <laughs> um, Then the second thing is, why did... Was it 2109? Mm-hmm. Why did that time period, the future, decide... Like, they as i'm understanding my perspective right now is they're the one that sent the first handful of messages then the past came in started messaging the current and then that conversation kept going why is the the future seem to just back off from the conversation as a whole but now they're active and so hands-on yeah it's a very good question and it's just uh, uh, yeah just intriguing to me a little threatening too yeah it,
0: it could be again if you want to take it at face value it could be The fact that they say we're in trouble and we desperately need this mission to happen right stop playing around and you know playing who's he what's it with that person and they play who's he what's it back with you like great you got your bios down mission proceed but on the other hand again then on the other end of the spectrum you have the believers and you have the skeptics and they're going well it's it's fickle because it's a story yeah you know and Mm -hmm. we're very close to discussing those two different theories here but I did want to put a button in the messages in the stories because eventually the messages ceased when Webster moved to Manchester for work, leaving behind the BBC microcomputer for no one to ever receive those messages again. So not only is he not in the house, he's not in the city, and he doesn't have access to this machine. And the story kind of goes cold there. Hopefully 2109 is (laughs) fine. Hopefully everything's okay there. But I feel like I would have gone back just to poke around. I would
1: have at some point in time. I would.
0: Can have. I Airbnb this house just real quick? I used yeah. to live here. I got an old machine. I want to hook up just to chat.
2: Hello, task force. This is Christian. Just taking a second to jump in with some orders of business, some housekeeping and a word from some lovely sponsors. And then we'll be right back into the episode. If you don't want to hear this break in the episode, then what you can do is become a first member. You get the episodes ad free in perpetuity. It costs $5.99 a month. Just go to roosterteeth.com slash sign up. Becoming a first member is by far the best way to support Red Web and allow us to grow and do more in the future. So thank you for those who have done it. You're not hearing this because you already have a first membership. And if you want to join them, go to roosterteeth.com slash sign up. Thank you so much. And we've mentioned this already, but just another reminder to keep you all aware, we will be having an off week. September 18th, there will be no episode of Red Web because we will be out shooting our Halloween special. So we'll be a little busy working on that. We apologize for the no episode, but we promise it's for a very good reason. And we'll be right back on September 25th with more episodes coming every week. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Do you ever have those restless nights where you can't fall asleep because your mind is just racing? It's like your head hits the pillow and your mind pumps the gas. But there's something that can help with that. Therapy. It's one of the best ways to put a stop to those racing thoughts and give them a voice to talk them through. Therapy is wonderful. It is like having a personal trainer for your mind. It's somebody that you can talk to however often you see fit. And just have an experienced third party to help you work through the issues that you're experiencing believe you me what you're experiencing is valid and the struggle is valid and there is somebody who knows exactly how to deal with it if you're thinking about therapy BetterHelp is a great option their platform is convenient and flexible because it's entirely online and designed to fit your schedule you just answer a quick questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists hassle-free at no extra charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/RedWeb today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel slash redweb This episode of RedWeb is sponsored by Shady Rays. Shady Rays has quality polarized shades, and they won't break the bank. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that knows how to make top-notch products. Their frames are built to be super durable, perfect for all your outdoor adventures. Plus, Shady Rays has a wild protection plan. Every pair comes with lost and broken replacements. So if you accidentally break or lose your shades, even on day one, they'll hook you up with a brand new pair without any questions asked. I myself have a pair of Shady Rays, I love them. They're sleek, they're stylish, they're a nice, clean, deep blue. Makes me look cool, makes the world look nice and cool temperature-wise, and just cool, cool cool-wise. I love them. They're absolutely incredible sunglasses. And if you don't totally love your Shady Rays, though we doubt that'll happen, you can easily exchange them for a different pair or return them for free within 30 days. Exclusively for Task Force members, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code REDWEB for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Without further ado, let us dive right back into the weird, wild Dodleston messages. That
0: leads us though nicely into the theories, which it's been a while since we've had a theory selection of this nature, but it's very simple. It's kind of polarizing. Was this a hoax or did this actually happen? And what kind of In what
1: capacity? Was it more paranormal? Was it time travel?
0: That I don't know if we'll kind of get to the bottom of. Um, (sighs) But we will try to practically address these things. And then at the end, of course, we'll give our take. So, like with many paranormal claims, the easiest answer as to what's going on with this story is that Webster fabricated the whole thing as a hoax. We'll start with that. There were even studies led by the Society for Psychical Research and UFOologist Gary Rowe found no evidence of anything paranormal going on in this cottage. We don't know the details of their research, but we do know that the Society of Psychical Research sent people that weren't members of their organization. So there is a small wrinkle here. It's it, we don't know for a fact what they did, what they studied, or if you can trust the accuracy of it, but it is worth mentioning, especially since a lot of these groups tend to come out seeking evidence to validate yeah. their their ongoing theses. So it is nice and refreshing to have a group come in and actually debunk something, despite that being kind of their bread and butter. After this, Howardin's writings that were coming through the computer were brought to Dr. Lara Wright of Cambridge University in order to verify what Trinder was hypothesizing on these writings. He was the one saying that these come from the Tudor period, from this area, but Dr. Wright claimed, quote, if it's supposed to look like early modern English writing, it doesn't even look close. She said that the verb and adjective structure did not match that of the Tudor period. Webster claimed that an expert like Dr. Wright would not want to confirm anything of this nature, anything paranormal, anything time-travelly, because it would maybe tarnish her career or her her reputation. And so she might have said, no, this is kind of inaccurate in order to protect her job, is what Webster's claiming. Basically, you can't just have a Cambridge University professor going around claiming ghost in the machine. Yeah. Is kind of what his angle is. But Dr. Wright later compared Howarden's writings to Webster's writings. But now you kind of have a little battle of the two. Oh, I like that. Yeah, she's like, well, let me look a little closer at this Webster character. So Howarden, looking at the structure there, used an adjective before his nouns 26% of the time. When analyzing writing verified to be Webster's, he had adjectives before nouns 26.6% of the time i.e. a very similar speaking pattern. I mean, this is
1: science. This, this is, tangible, is this is baby. stuff we use to this day to figure out. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's a ransom letter. Was mm-hmm. it written by the family? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is stuff that you can actually because your writing is it's kind of unique to you. Yep, in a lot voice. of ways, man. Oh, that's juicy. This oh yeah. Go
0: one. And on top of that, just to kind of like round this whole thing out. The Tudor period writing used adjectives before the noun much more frequently than any of these two men supposedly did. In fact, if you look at historical writings, it shows about 35% of the time there would be an adjective in front of the noun. So they were very descriptive folk, but there's not a whole lot of similarity. So it could just be someone shifting their their phrasing. But it's funny. No one ever thinks, I'll change my handwriting, but they never think I'm going to stop using adjectives or use more adjectives. You know what I mean? I'll be honest. That would have
1: got me caught. That would have got me caught. Because I would have been like, all right, let me start writing a different way. I don't write cursive. Boom. I'm writing cursive. I'm flowing. Maybe I get one of those feather pens, Uh right? uh Just so I can feel. He's got a quill. Yeah, I'll (laughs) quill it up. So I'm in the rhythm. Let me hear it. Dang, he (laughs) writes fast, too. (laughs) Dear Red Web Team, ransom for Christian. (laughs) Wait a minute. What? Ransom (laughs) for Christian. Yep, that's Fredo. Five Five whole dollars. And then what? you know what I mean, and then and you would have known because I would throw some adjectives or whatever it was in there, and I would be like, "Oh, that's right, I do use those." That ad- oh, man. right. He threw in hypothetically fifteen then, times. Yeah, this yeah, must be him. right. And also, there's probably uh, you know, punctuation might be a thing. The way you capitalize things. Yep. Uh, e- even spacing, for God's sake. Right. I'm sure all that stuff is looked at. It's old English,
0: but it's all lowercase with no commas and no periods. And you're right. like, yeah, this is definitely <laughs> a Gen Z. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> uh, some of us millennials cop the trend, too. But moving on, to, to continue the the discussion of this being a hoax, one could claim that the writing is just from a different time period or style, that it is still time travel, that it is still maybe a spirit, and maybe that it's just a different time period, right? But there are also other inaccuracies in Howarden's writings in his self-proclaimed time period. He also mentioned a Kinnerton Hall, which was built about 200 years after this time period that he says he's from. Also, he, under his previous pseudonym, claimed that he went to Jesus College, but that wasn't founded until 1571, so it's unlikely that he would have known about that either. And so if you take this at face value, it's possible that, yes, maybe this person in the 1540s was informed on these new places from the individual from 2109, though Howard in himself, the man from the 1540s is saying, oh, I put those in there to catch you up. I wanted to see if you could catch my inconsistencies.
1: Oh, and no. I go,
0: "What for?" I thought the for the stake reason? I thought the world was at stake here.
1: No, 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 no. Now we're backpedaling. Yep. No yep. way. You are getting caught.
0: Right. I I don't know what the idea of like being tested would help here. Unless he's going, "Oh, I'm important. These future people need me." Right. And I'm going to mess around and then maybe that's why 2109 stepped in to be like, "Listen, all right. ignore him for a second. Right. We need to get the mission off the rails going. Lastly, the fact that Webster also wrote a book about his experiences opens up a cynical can of worms. This book, if you're interested, is called The Vertical Plane, and it suggests that this fantastical story was crafted to sound true, perhaps to sell copies of his book. We've discussed that theory many times before in previous episodes, but Webster has since disappeared after the book was published in 1989, and there was a documentary on these messages called out of this world in which ken and debbie were not shown on camera in fact the name webster was not included in this documentary and they said that they did not want to be identified and wanted to move on with their lives and so there is kind of a wrinkle there that does feel like someone who wasn't looking for attention they that they did in fact you know maybe had a pseudonym or or in just for whatever reason wanted to distance themselves from this experience but i don't know it, it didn't really sound all that scary unless there are messages that aren't being reported.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess, like, just a random small question. Were they able to see a majority of these messages, if not all of them?
0: So the three of them, Webster especially, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the documentary or any other sources, I don't know. Okay. Um, All we know now, really, is that there was about 300 messages. That's what's been reported, but Christian, yeah. do you know if, if all of them have been documented for
2: historical purposes, or are some just kind of so lost? It seems
1: like a handful of them were analyzed.
2: Yeah. I don't think all of them have been stored. I think they've been lost to time, but sure. you know there are a few handful, but no, I don't think we have all 300 yeah. available anywhere to see.
0: Especially if, like, they were on a computer that couldn't print, and they're just saved there, somebody would have to transcribe it, whatever, whatever. Now, that said, despite the hoax theory, and a lot of the kind of support that that theory has, there are many who still believe that the Dodleston messages were a genuine paranormal experience.
1: See, I feel like I'm a part of the, with this one in mm-hmm. particular, especially I'm part of the jury, right? Yeah. And it's like yeah. there's like two sides, there's two lawyers, one arguing hoax, the other one it's about to step forward, arguing paranormal. Yeah. And it's just like, alright, present, present to me, you know what right. I mean? Right. But then you have them also
0: saying, now listen it has to be, without a reasonable doubt so they're stepping up to the plate here to tell you it's real. And if they get just an ounce of, well, hold on, you cannot yeah, yeah. commit to one side or the other. So supposedly Howardin also left physical notes and drawings on papers during these ghostly encounters. Now, as I kind of go through some of the support systems for this being real, I'm going to kind of come back and knock them out one by one, because that's what we do here. We want to have a practical, pragmatic, but honest approach to a lot of the theories, sometimes we leave them totally open-ended. I think in this case, there will definitely be a lot of things that happen to nudge us in one way or the other, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to go ahead and and lay the groundwork for this being real and then come back and kind of readdress. So anyway, the idea that other physical items were being left in the house, other notes, other drawings, is compelling, though I'm very confused as to why that isn't such a cornerstone of the story. True. But again, we'll come back to that, and I do have one drawing and one note that we have for you to look at in just a second. Ooh. Trinder, again, the teacher, contacted Robin Peedle at the Brace Nose College Library who found Howarden in their records, but no Waynman. Basically confirming that Thomas Howardin was the real name and that Lucas Wainman was the made-up one. It does substantiate a little bit. But Trinder, ooh, Trinder himself has kind of got some elements to him. But In Webster's research, he found a man from the Tudor period actually also named Thomas Howardin, who had been a vicar of Gloucestershire and attended Bracenose College. Moving on, though, Howardin also claimed that the house was built of redstone. The cottage itself wasn't, but underneath the house, the foundation of this previous structure that once stood there was, in fact, made of redstone. And so there's just a few elements here of this time traveler spirit that are kind of hitting on some accurate notes. And then moving on to the documentary, despite not being on camera, Webster and Debbie insisted on the veracity of their story. Trinder appeared on camera in this same documentary and claimed that he still thought the messages were authentic. One of the cornerstones for his belief is the word pill, P-I-L-L-E, was used in one of these messages we didn't talk about, but it was a common word in Southwest Tudor English. It was a word that Howard and used that Trinder focused on. It meant a little inlet in the River Severn. Basically, like he got so obsessed over the usage of this word because it was particularly rare. It would be someone that would have to be highly educated on this period of time and language to know that that word exists. And so, Trinder himself is going, that's pretty impressive. But I'm like, Trinder, you know it. I mean, Trinder knows it. I mean, Webster's job is education. Mm -hmm. He might not be an English teacher, but he knows how to research. I mean, you're in the environment. Right. You know? Osmosis, baby. Yeah. And uh, so now I want to kind of come back over those kind of cornerstones to this piece. So with regards to the paper and drawings, I'll let you take a look at the images B and C now. The The very flimsy piece here to knock the leg out from this part of the table is Webster himself could have drawn these, could have written these notes. But as you see, I don't even know if that's English. It looks like Tolkien,
1: Elvish. It does look Elvish. It looks like sure. one
0: ring to rule them all. And you know, all
1: like circles in between the words.
0: Yeah, but yeah, the the kind of flimsy part of that is that Webster could have done it himself. And then coming back to the idea of Thomas Howarden being an actual person from the Tudor period, well, who's to say Webster didn't go back do some research prior to landing on this name and discovered a name from the Tudor period once his colleague decided this was from the Tudor period, he could run off to the library, find this name, come back to his computer, and then say, oh, but my real name, yeah. I, I got yeah. you. My real name is Thomas And Again, so it's not super stable. Now, the idea of the house being on redstone, the fact that the house was renovated, just because it's in the foundation doesn't mean that they couldn't have, at some point in these renovations, figured out that redstone was part of the house. Mm-hmm could have been a lucky guess. It could have been something that they stumbled into. I think that this is Webster trying to substantiate some authenticity in this Howard invoice. But again, we can kind of knock the leg out from under it and say, but there's reasonable doubt that you could have known the information yourself. I mean, do they own the house? I don't know if they were renting. If they were doing renovations, I would gather that they owned it.
1: Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. And like I hear all the time. Right. I didn't research it. I hear a lot of times it's like a lot of Austin's built on, Uh, is it clay?
0: A lot of clay and then a lot of slate, depending yeah. on if you're on the east side or the west side. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know? And that's just something that I've heard in passing a ton of times. Right. Who and so, say if you, you didn't been... hear that, redstone. Yeah. 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 A lot of the city's built on redstone. You or know, if you... that
0: was like a historic thing that they did of a certain time period. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it was also slightly
1: inaccurate. It did, like, the message right. said it, the house it, it was, wasn't, but it was the Again, foundation. to me, it tells me that, like, research and that was, like, it's, like, doing, like, Webster did research. Yeah. And when you do research, a lot of information, especially the further back you go, we know, can get lost of time or can get translated in a slightly different way, you know? Or people take liberty of, like, ah, put my spin on this. hmm So... It feels like you fell victim to that or like maybe saw one article where it was the house, but really, you know, in a more accurate article, it was the foundation or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And just to kind of continue on with the idea of research, you know, Trinder is an interesting entity. We have Dr. Wright who kind of debunked his take on some of the messages, but the fact that he's kind of He himself, Trinder, is going, but they used the word pill. This is such a rare Tudorian word. Like, it must be. What a random thing to throw at, like. But he knows it. To put all your eggs in that basket. Sure. But if he knows it, who's to say he's not working with Webster? That he's the one putting it into the message? Or that Webster then has easy first degree access to that sort of knowledge. So you're right. It's weird to put all your eggs in that basket. But on the other hand. It's like a Hail Mary. It is. So I don't think that that completely substantiates all the counter-analysis that Dr. Laura Wright did, but again, I wanted to kind of address the cornerstones of the truth theory, but then also be practical about it. But moving on, though, to kind of lean back more on the believing side, we have seen a very similar situation in the case of the Jack Friese emails. Totally different episode that we covered a while back. Very fascinating. And And I'll go over it kind of briefly, but... And Task Force, if you don't know the Jack Friese emails, similar case, very fascinating. So there's a man named Jack Friese and months after he passed away, his family and his friends began receiving emails from him from the grave. While they could have been pre-sent emails, at least one of the emails received from one of his friends regarded something that happened after the death and kind of very timely. It was his friend's broken ankle and that occurred very, well, very much after the death, but very recently to the emails. This could mean that there's some sort of mean-spirited prank going on, but it could also mean that the emails actually did come from beyond the grave, that somehow the paranormal arena was able to interface with the technology as it might have here. There's even author Dean Kuntz, famous horror author, and many others who have experienced unexplained messages via emails, phones, and texts themselves. So in closing, this is yet another case in a new, more modern form of paranormal activity. As tech continues to expand and reach new levels of accessibility, will we see more stories coming forward about haunted iPads or eerie text messages, or do you think that this is simply a hoax that captured the imaginations of many? Either way, this has been the Dodelston Messages. Task Force, as we wind down this episode, a small heads up that we won't have a new episode on September 18th. We are getting ready for our Halloween special and all of the spooky, very eerie, topics that we have on the other side of the break so stay tuned for
1: those do you think that if we started getting more and more like haunting of like iPhones and you know smart smart tech stuff like that is it more of a hoax because why weren't things like beepers and pagers and cassette players you know what I mean like where's those stories
0: right right I mean, we've had technology now for a good minute, and this is even coming from the '80s. So you're right. If if this was going to happen more, why not? More? Why? Maybe,
1: why essentially like maybe have they get a, brushed a off a as like little glitches. glitches. True. Yeah, it could have been that, right? Or yeah. like the technology wasn't advanced enough to truly communicate. But it, you know, if you were to look at a graph, you'd see like you know Ouija boards, all that kind of stuff, and you know, I don't know, but tech from back then, radios. And then, like, you get, like, beepers and, like, Mm -hmm. early cell phones. And that, there's that lull. And then there'd be a rise in, like, smartphones being haunted. It's interesting. I
0: I would love for this to be the next frontier of paranormal activity. I would love for... (laughs) I shouldn't say this. Especially having seen the movies Pulse, White Noise, The Signal, all these things that we've referenced before. These are all, by the way, early 2000s films that are a product of the advent of technology, the internet, the accessibility of smartphones, like, all of that. So on one hand, it could just be it's capturing human imagination because that's the next frontier. But on the other hand, I kind of morbidly want that to be, I don't know, I think that'd be so spooky, but also so like the ring. Imagine like your TV glitches, it turns on, it's not plugged in, and then you see the ring girl crawling up out of the well and you're just like, ah, you know, ah. Yeah. I hate that, but I also would love to cover those stories. So other co- people can experience right. that. Yeah, we'll <laughs> <laughs> cover it. <laughs> like you said, I'll sit here in this well-lit room in the middle exactly. of the day and, you know, I'll dabble with it, but it's not going to stop me from bringing all those sort of gear and tech and radio scanners and all that to, lasers. The lasers to the Halloween special. Ooh, we got a new thing, too. That connect camera retrofitted to kind of, like, be able to map onto a person so if it sees an entity or captures something and it's it's not a lidar signal but whatever the tech is that it uses if it captures something it puts like a little skeleton frame on it and so you could almost interface with a spirit in that way we got all sorts That's of cool. gadgets i'm, a walk I'm in excited in of, i'm gonna walk in that. front yeah. of
1: that and see if it tracks me
0: okay
1: well, yeah we can test it yeah yeah we have it now mm-hmm it wild <laughs>
0: Well, this has been the Dodleston Messages. With that said, Fredo, I'll see you right back here next week. Same time, same place, for yet another mystery.